0: Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. And this is, uh, instead of me rambling about other stuff, I thought I would just kind of get to part two because part one of C. Bojowski was so good. In our last episode, Wojo talked about how unique his upbringing was, on how his meteoric rise in recruiting was, and how he ended up getting Duke. And, you know, then early on at Duke. In in this episode, and uh, we broke it up, this is a great conversation with a very interesting, bright uh, man who's incredibly well-traveled. It's really good. There's other stuff in there, too. I mean, he's just so good. So make sure to download, review, write a review, subscribe, rate, tell a friend about it, tweet about it, put it on Facebook, whatever you want. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. A reminder, the Doug Gottlieb show is daily, 12 to 3 Pacific, 3 to 6 Eastern time on Fox Sports Radio, FoxSportsRadio.com, the iHeartRadio app, Sirius XM 217 and 203. Uh, all right, let's right, let's let's get to part two of my conversation with former captain of Duke, former assistant coach at Duke, former head coach at Marquette, Steve Wojcicki. So your senior year, now you're a Duke commit. How does that change your senior year in high school in terms of not just how your own team and coaches treat you? But I would guess you're on the road in Baltimore playing in a Catholic school league that guys were giving you the business look, you know, and now you have the oh, you're going to Duke, you think you're better than everybody. Right. Guys might right. you. What was that? What was that again from a guy who was on the rise but more regionally known to now a nationally known guy going to be duke's point guard what was that experience like yeah i don't remember thinking
1: i I felt like because the school cardinal gibbons in in the catholic league we were kind of the school um where we were the blue collar school trying to to fight to make it and as opposed to some other Catholic schools where it was, it was not necessarily in my view, like that. Um, and I, and, and so I still, I think I still maintained a little bit of an underdog mentality and, you know, other opposing fans, players would come after me, but that's fine. Like bringing, you know, like we're playing basketball, like it's what you're supposed to do. So if, 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 because I'm going to Duke, uh allows you to do what you're supposed to do let's 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 go um but you know again it was it, it's still at that point like when I committed to Duke and there wasn't message boards and modes of communication that there is now. there was like can he play at Duke is he good enough and there was you know you'd hear that debate and I remember Gary, we played Dematha early in the season, and obviously DeMatha is a traditional longtime power coach Wooten was still coaching at that point. Gary Williams came to the game. They had a kid named Tim Hill, who was a really good player ended up being a a great player at Harvard. And, you know, like he said to one of the coaches, like, uh, yeah, I don't, he's not gonna be able to play it, Duke. I'm not sure he's a division one player. Um, And I heard that after the game, but, you know, I ended up having 25 in the first half and, you know, close to 40 in the game. And I wasn't a scorer, but, uh, but, you know, so there was still some of that, but I I didn't, I kind of kept my nose down and just the process that got me to this point was not something, um, I thought about abandoning just because I
0: was going to Duke, but it did change the notoriety. Um, well, I've been now in 94 Duke lost on last second shot to a national title, right? He's in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, I would guess, because I can tell you like in 95, I was, I had always wanted to go to UCLA and I turned them down and went to Notre Dame and damn if UCLA doesn't up and win a national championship oh, yeah. Like oh. and Notre Dame was not yeah. good. You know? yeah. And, uh, and I remember going like, I, I, can you, can you believe like the school, like uh, my dream school, part two, UCLA and Duke, you know, um, and so, what do you do? You, I, you had to die a slow death watching Duke, who you hadn't yet played a game for, lose a national championship on a last-second shot. Yeah, no, it was it was hard. It, I mean, they're literally a fingernail away
1: from three out of four championships. But that team was incredible, and one of the things, you know, Grant was such a great player, and, and I think people in today's day and age. Um, forget how good a player he was. One of the rule changes that year, and thankfully they put it back when I got to college, was they changed the five-second call. Yeah. So the ball could be in Grant's hands, and and he could act like a a point forward or point guard, which essentially he was. And he could have the the ball for a long time and get get where he needed to go against anyone or get the ball where it needed to go. Um, And that run was spectacular. But it was it was you know. I mean, again, it's like you're going to this place, and they're just rolling people year after year. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're like they're they they are the gold standard, without question, of college basketball, and it's been like that really in my throughout my formative years uh,
0: in the game. So you show up there. What do you remember about show up? This is fall, right? They didn't have summer back then, right? So you're working at home, you're getting ready, you go there. Um, what was first arriving on Duke's campus as a freshman is what? I remember the pickup games because at that
1: time, like you said, you, you started school. Well, I actually started school late because I was traveling with the USA basketball team. Trajan, Ricky and I, my freshman class, Ricky Price, Trajan Langdon, the three of us made a U.S. team that won the gold medal in Argentina. So we actually started school a week late. Um, but in the, in the fall, the thing you did to train and get in shape, uh, was not like individual workouts. It was you play pickup, and the pickup games were hellacious because you had all the former pros at that time who were trying to get back in shape for training camp, come back to Durham, and the same uh, at the same time, the same thing was happening in Chapel Hill. So you would play in these pickup games, and there'd be your your Duke teammates, but you'd have the best Christian Leighton or Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill. And then, you know, at times you'd have the guys from Carolina come over. So you'd you'd have like pros on pros. And you'd play either in Cameron or you'd play in car gym, which was an old school gym. And in the fall at Duke, probably 110 degrees. And it would you'd play two courts. You have a winner's court and a loser's court. And the games in that gym were some of the best basketball games in history that no one knows about. Because you'd have Duke Carolina, you'd have but former players, you'd have current players, and they were hellacious. And I remember playing in these games. And, you know, I mean, I, there's times that you, you think to yourself, like, am I built for this? <laughs> you know, am I built for this? Uh, because you're playing against pros. I mean, I mean, there's more pros than there were not pros in that gym and like legit pros, not like drafted and maybe he's going to be good. Like, no, they're going to get to the league and they're going to be good. Um so it, that's what I remember the most.
0: Your freshman year was the year where coach K had to leave the team. So what, what 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 was it what really happened what was it really like on that team? Well I mean it was it was it was difficult.
1: I mean we started the year reasonably good. You know, we were one of the top 10 teams in the country. I think we were 9 and 3 uh before ACC season started and played a good schedule. Um, you know, we weren't on it like some of the teams before us, but we were one of the better teams in the country. And, you know, coach was really hurting. Um, Did you know? Back, I knew as much as I was capable. And you knew, I knew enough, again, he hadn't coached me. So there was no reference point of comparison, but you know, you'd, you'd hear from the other guys and you knew he had back surgery in the off season. Um, you know, that he was struggling. I mean, he looked tired. You know, he wasn't moving great. And so you, I sensed it, even though I didn't have a reference point of when he was, you know, at his best. Um, but when I, rem- I can still remember, you know, we we meet in the old Duke locker room, there's Players Lounge. It was tiny. And anytime there was a serious meeting, we wouldn't meet in the locker room, we'd meet in the Players Lounge. He didn't really want to have meetings in the players' lounge uh so when the meeting was called, and we all went to the players, you know you'd have you know fourteen guys in there this tiny room it got hotter, hotter than hell. The coach walked in and he he did not look good physically you know emotionally he didn't look good and and at that point he said i'm i have to step away like i'm not I'm not healthy right now, and I have to step away and um it was a it was a devastating moment, I think, for everyone in the room. Devastating for coach, it was devastating for the players, staff, and uh, and there was definitely a vacuum that was left. Um I I really do believe that everybody that uh players, coaches, everybody did the best that they knew how. We were just in a situation where <laughs> we didn't necessarily know how. And the program was so dependent on coach like everything ran through him and he was a dominant dominant figure when our outlet got unplugged from his there was a there was a vacuum and and none of you know again in hindsight there uh, every one of us if we're being honest with ourselves would have done things differently and and hopefully better but as you're going through it it's hard to it's hard to step back and recognize that, especially because the AC was freaking loaded, <laughs> and Duke was you know like you be Duke it's like that now,
0: it, it, but it, know, well, like, hey, yeah, let, me, that. let me help you from the outside perspective. Okay, so that that's this is like the thirteen eighteen team Duke who won two ACC games. But remember, you're coming off of playing for national championship, right? right? And you have you still have even though a lot of the guys were young. Uh, Trajan Langdon was a McDonald's All-American Ricky Price you got Cherokee you got Chief is still there Cherokee Parks right you have Jeff Capel Chris Collins right you got named dudes and you're Duke right so it doesn't matter if Mike coaching Duke or Pete Goddard's coaching Duke you beat Duke you storm the court right and now even though everybody's beating Duke like it gets to it almost it gets to the point where now if you don't beat Duke there's something something wrong with you you're at Duke right this is all of a sudden, you know, like your life changes. You're at the royalty for college basketball there. But what's it like for you as somebody who I know how you're wired, right? The whole the whole goal in any basketball game you've ever played is to win the basketball game, right? That's what right, right, right. Like I, I know how many points I have. I know how many assists I have. The truth is, all I really care about is if I have more points. And now you guys are losing and Coach K is not there. What's going on in Steve Wojciechowski's mind and life? Because I'll tell you, like I went to Notre Dame, had never been on a bad team before, ever, and we were Big East was that was this was the next year. The Big East had four teams in the top ten, and we're in like last place. And I, I was t- it really, really affected me, like really affected me. What about you? What was it like for you? It was incredibly difficult um
1: you know you, you 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 have these uh visions of what you think your experience is going to be and at duke the expectation was you know it's national championship or bust <laughs> so at least if you're aiming for that star you're if you don't make it you're gonna you're you're gonna land someplace that's generally pretty good um but it was you know i'm mean, I devastated i don't know you depressed, scared, uh, confused. I mean, all those things, you know, like you you question, like, am I good enough? Is this the right place Did I make, you know, you go through all those questions that I think college basketball freshmen, a lot of times have, because it's always harder than it's always harder than a high school player thinks it is. Always, like in my view, a hundred out of a hundred times, even if that person is really good as a freshman, but then you throw on top, like, uh, you're, you're playing at the standard of college basketball, and, and sure. you're losing. You know, it wasn't like we were getting blown out. We lost a lot of a lot of close, like, literally last-second buzzer-beating
0: losses. You lost twice it was, to Maryland yeah. by two, by the way, which I'm sure yeah. that would, right? Like, yeah. you're, fi- yeah. you're playing at Duke, and you lose to Maryland by two, twice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that guy named Joe Smith, it was pretty good. Pretty
1: good. Pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Um, but no, I mean, we, it was, it was, it was devastating, you know, and, and it's funny you'd mention it. Like, so we played Carolina on senior night, and Jeff Capel hits the shot. And, you know, most people still think, and it's crazy, like that shot won the game. That shot put us to overtime. But if you watch the bench, like we cheered, like we won the game on the shot. So we go to overtime. And, you know, my playing time was inconsistent play a lot, some games play not at all, others. Uh, it was inconsistent. And it probably, Deserve to be. You, Wait, know? you got a D. Uh, you got DNPs? The, well, I didn't get DNPs, but there was, I was in the single digits multiple, multiple times. Um, but for whatever reason, I, the ball was in my hands in the last possession of, of the game versus Carolina where Capel had shot to put us to overtime and we're supposed to run a play. The play gets busted. So I have to go try to make a play one-on-one against Jeff McGinnis, who was, it was a hell of a college player and played in the league and a very good defender. And I missed basically a foul line jump shot. And, uh, it was, it was, it was all, I remember going back to my dorm and calling home and saying like, I, I can't do this. Like I want out. I, I want to transfer. I just want to, I want to go home. i want to come home. And I want to be normal. Like, I just want to go to school. And you know, my mom, like my mom, my dad never picks up the, the home phone. So my mom answered and she's hearing this and she's like, you need to talk to your father. Um, so I have to repeat it again. Like I can't do that. Like I want out and he's like, you want out? That's fine. If you want to quit, you can come home and you can work with me on the docks. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm like. I want to go. He's like, no. If you're gonna quit this, then you're coming with me, and you're gonna work on the docks, and you can kiss everything you work for goodbye. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not transferring, <laughs> um, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm gonna make it work. And uh, you know, I'm I'm crying because if he would have said okay and allowed, gave, given me an out,
0: I would have missed out on him a lot. Your whole life, yeah, your whole life, right? does those, those butterfly the butterfly effect things, you know? yeah, so um yeah, that that
1: memory's kind of etched in stone because a lot nowadays, when kids make that call, it's like you're right, like your coach is an idiot, and yeah. you've been wronged, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, we'll find someone else that's going to serve you instead of like, look, man you're being an idiot like you're you're going to see this through you're going to do your best whatever happens with your best like we'll be fine with but you ain't quitting, you ain't it's,
0: quitting. It's, it's it's amazing you bring that up because it, when this will uh, this will land with people as if we're some sort of neanderthal character right but if i painted the real picture of what okay you went to play for Coach K. He's not there, but also you still had Jeff in front of you for a year and Chris in front of you. For, well, Jeff was two years, right? He was a junior. Yeah, Jeff's, Jeff was a sophomore. Chris was a junior. Right. So, so
1: and. And Sue like, McDonald, all Americans in the backcourt, trade a rookie.
0: Right. So, so there is. Yeah, right. You ended up winning the starting spot, but like you're going to have to overcome. Those guys aren't go, they're not graduating. And they're not transferring, right? So it's not like there's a path. Don't worry. Next year you come back, it's your team, and everything's better. Like, if everybody comes back, you still have the same fight, as well as the pressure of you guys weren't very good, not knowing with Coach K. So you you were actually the most people would say, "Dude, get out of there. You know, get somewhere where it's your team, etc." And and you didn't. So now you come home. You come home for the summer. You stay there in the summer.
1: So um, I was there for, usually you would come back for second session. So again, we, we make it through the year. It was hard, but there's, there's hope on the other side, right? Like coaches getting a healthier. In fact, before the ACC tournament, he came back and ran one practice and uh, it was,
0: it was a hard practice. Um, so what, what is, what is the hard, what, 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 what is different about a Coach K being at practice? Versus not being in practice. Like, what, what was that one workout like? What is that actually like? Yeah, I think it just tests you physically,
1: mentally, and emotionally. You know, and, and again, it wasn't, you see some stories now about practices where it's like all physical, you know, got loose balls. And we may have done that, but it was, there was an expectation and a standard that you were trying to reach. And the reality is, I think a lot of us were in survival mode not not a mode of thriving we were trying to survive the season because we were going through something that none of us had experienced and it's not a criticism of anyone like what we were being asked to do was was hard on everyone and so we were trying to survive and when you're trying to survive you also you oftentimes get internal like you're not thinking about the group you're thinking about like how do i tread water long enough to get to shore um and so when he came back, it was there was a standard of like get out of your own stuff, throw yourself into what we're doing, and do it at this level, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I and that that one was exhausting because that's that's not the space I think we were in. And so you're being
0: asked to go to this space that's wildly uncomfortable. Um and you played, then you, so you guys played in the Les Robinson Invitational. Now, for people yeah. who don't know, for people who don't remember about the old ACC, I believe, and you tell me if I'm wrong, there were nine teams, right, at, at that time. And the eight nine game, it okay, was the only one played on the first day. And it was locally called like the Les Robinson. Les Robinson was coach at NC State, and NC State seemed to always be in that game. Duke was never, it's the only time Duke was in that game, right? And that was a, Cannot lose this game because if you lose, and I've lost the the when I was in the the next year I was in the Big East, we lost to Syracuse, who went to play for a national championship. We lost them the first day. You lose the first day in a conference tournament, especially the last Robinson game. It's almost like you weren't in it, right? It's almost like right. you weren't part of the right? right. I, I would guess like the desire to win that game was big. Do you do you remember that first ACC tournament?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we we ended up playing Wake Forest who had Randolph Childress and a young Tim Duncan. And that was the tournament. Randolph had like 40 points.
0: Like that was the thing. Fin- that was the finger one, right? Yeah.
1: Or- yeah. Yeah. He crossed up Jeff and, and he went down and hit a three. I mean, he was incredible. And the thing that was unique about Randolph was he was their point guard, although he, I don't know if he was necessarily a true point guard. He was a great guard. Yeah. So he, he was good with the ball in his hands, but when he gave it up, he became a scorer. So all of a sudden, like, you know, you and I were used to pressuring the ball, not necessarily chasing somebody off the screens. A lot of most point guards don't necessarily do that. And he was a monster to guard. He was, and so we were up at halftime. We were up, I want to say double figures at halftime. It's like, oh, my gosh, like <laughs> this, we're going to do it. And we weren't a, we, we had a bad record, but we were, we, we were not a bad team. Uh, so we're like we're we're gonna come in half time like, we're gonna beat Wake Forest and then Randolph just absolutely dominated you know took off and then never looked back uh, in that tournament so we lost and that was that was the end of of that season and and really kind of a beginning of a rebirth of of the program.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. How'd you guys turn around? Um,
1: well, you know, it wasn't, didn't happen necessarily quickly for the, you know, the standards of Duke, right? It wasn't like next year we were national champion uh, contenders. We were probably, and I say this, and, and guys I played with, would probably agree, probably the least talented Duke team uh, in a long, long time. I mean, we were playing Stan Brunson, who was a soccer player at meaningful minutes. Uh, it was Chris Collins, Jeff Cape, one eye, Ricky, you know, Trajan was out because he had a knee injury and he redshirted that year. Uh, Greg Newton, uh, Tony Moore, Stan Brunson. I mean, it, not necessarily not not household names, by any stretch, not your Grant Hill, <laughs> uh, Bobby <laughs> no, Nobody, nobody goes like oh,
0: you remember. Remember, you remember that team. Yeah, <laughs> and so, you but know, you got I, it. I remember. I'm, I'm, I'm looking. You guys got it going late in the year. Like you got it. We, you got, it, you got a roll one five in a row, kind of late in the year. You beat UCLA late in the year. They weren't great, but you were. But you beat, you swept Maryland. Like you kind of got it going we did and uh
1: Chris Collins had an incredible senior year and we were i think we were 0 and 4 in the ACC and it's like here we go again now now granted like look if this this goes sideways we may not be having the conversations that we're having this week leading up to to coach K's uh you know final game in Cameron now he would have figured it out but he's just that good but it may look different than it looks now. Uh, we were zero four playing the NC State. And, you know, it was the last second game. And uh, we were going to hit the ball. It was the ball was in Chris's hands. And we were going to run exchange, which is basically a wing dribble handoff uh, and open the floor for Ricky. And Chris skips the handoff. And we're down two and pulls like a 26 foot three that hit the rim like four times i mean you know there's certain times in your life where like time stops or goes in slow motion Mm -hmm. when he shot that probably lasted a second and a half it felt like it lasted for 10 minutes because the ball was on the rim forever so it bounces 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 rolls goes in and there's like six seconds left so we're but our team starts celebrating like we won the game. Like literally won the game. Like we're going ape shit nuts. And Todd Fuller inbounds it to Curtis Marshall. And he dribbles the length of there's six seconds left, dribbles the length of the floor, has pretty much a, a bare ass open layup and it toilet bowls and rolls out. And we win the game. We win the game. And You know, we ended up, that started the streak. I think we went like four in a row. So we got back to 500, which is great. And then we lost a bunch in a row. And then we finished where we had to really finish, uh, finish the year, winning all our games in order to make the tournament. And we did, we did and uh, ended up making the NCAA tournament as a team that was, you know, Chris had broken his foot. I got a high, I, started the game in the, in the AC tournament cause Chris couldn't play cause he had a broken foot and played really well for about five minutes and then landed on Abina Kesey's foot and had a high ankle sprain, which put me on crutches for like six weeks. I mean, we were, our team was, uh, was hanging on by its thread, but that team Really, I I, I believe, and and, and I may be wrong in this, and people may have different opinions. Like, that team is, uh, even though we weren't talented, we were tough. And we were incredibly together, and we knew what was on the line. Like, we knew that the name on the front of the jersey was on the line. And even though we were playing against teams that were a lot more talented, because, again, at that point, the ACC was freaking loaded. Yes. I mean, loaded. Loaded. I mean, Bobby, Sir, um, Edwards, Carolinas guys, Maryland, Virginia, Corey Alexander, loaded, and we made the NCAA tournament, which for that team was probably, especially given the injuries we had at the end of the year, was probably its ceiling. And they ran into Errol Boykins and Eastern Michigan, and they beat us. But if you early in the ACC season, if you would have said you can get to make the NCAA tournament, I think we all would
0: have been like, "Sign me up." What was Co- what was Coach K like during that year after having missed so much time the previous year? I mean, I think I think he was he was great. I
1: mean, he was intense. He was focused. He he coached this hard. He demanded a lot from us. Uh, but I think he also knew like he had a group that was going to fight for Duke. Which you know, at the end of it, that's what Coach wants. He wants you to fight together for the name on the front of the jersey and that group did it and did we have all the weapons or the talent that some of the teams before us had we did not we did not but that part of the mission we executed and i and i think he was i hope he's proud of that team even though he wouldn't trade that roster for any of the rosters that he's
0: had recently that's for sure when was there ever when you're playing with kenny blakeney and you're playing with chris and yourself did you see coaching as like a path? Like, was that ever discussed? Did you guys ever sit around and and talk? I mean, the fact that there's so many head coaches on that staff, I mean, on that roster, was that ever a part of your thinking or your interaction with each other? Yeah, I don't remember having
1: specific conversations to that end. I mean, obviously, Chris, uh, you know, came from a coaching family and and Kenny played for a great high school coach, and and I was fortunate. I mean, really, from the time I was a little guy to, through high school to play for great coaches. I mean, outside of my family, the people that have had the biggest, biggest impact on my life are my coaches. So, you know, again, for me, I thought I would love to be a high school coach and try to have the impact that you know my high school coach had on me. I mean, that was kind of my thought process. During that time, I don't remember specific conversations like, you know, 30 years from now, like we're all going
0: to be coaching in college. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't think young brains work that way, right? Like, No, no, but but like, I'll just tell you, like, so when we were playing, like me and Joe Adkins, when I was at Oklahoma State, we, we were we were both like we knew it was going to be Sean's job. So we were we would both like kind of angle for the like, hey, if I come back, I want to be offensive coordinator. You can coach defense. I don't want to coach defense. Right, right, like right, right. you do the defensive and stuff. Um, but I, I just I I do wonder your i want you you're, you get to your so the next year you guys turn it you guys yeah. win the ACC right yeah and then uh, but you did it you took a transfer and now was Rashawn sitting out your sophomore year he was yes which is I think he was the first transfer wasn't he. He was yes. He was the first transfer. They had
1: recruited him again. I was playing, so I wasn't involved in any of this in high school. Uh, played obviously for Bobby's dad at St. Anthony's. So they were recruiting him. Um, and and I mean, in all honesty, we needed we need more talent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so sometimes when you need more talent and it's not available to you. In the normal way you do things, recruiting high school players, then you you need to look at other other things. And um uh, yeah, Rashawn was sitting out. But after my sophomore year, I remember having a meeting with coach in the lounge, and oh, the basically coach the, oh, yeah. oh, the lounge, yeah, the lounge. And basically, the gist of the meeting was like, what you've done is not good enough, and if you continue to do it, like you should probably do it somewhere else. And, you know, like that was a really hard meeting for me. And who's in the meeting, uh, you know, it was just him and I, nobody else, nobody else. Okay. And, um, you know, it was a hard meeting, but it was the needing meeting I needed, you know, like there's there, I think it, it, anytime you change levels and anything, what allowed you to be good at one level doesn't necessarily guarantee success at the next. And, you know, you get to college and, and it, my two years to that point hadn't gone necessarily the plan. Um, and I was responsible for that. Like, there were things that I needed to do to give myself the best chance of helping the team and maxing out who I was. Like what? And one of the the first thing was getting in better shape. Um, you know, like in order for me to compete against the athletes that we competed against, uh, the the advantage I had to have was endurance and conditioning because, you know, I mean, I could wear jump shoes, uh, you know, 12 hours a day. Like I wasn't, it wasn't like at some point I was going to be playing above the rim or, but I could, I could wear people down, uh, with my conditioning and my effort because I, I i was I, I was good at that it was good like the effort piece i was good at but i didn't have the condition to sustain it uh, to where it was an advantage you know and so i lo- i ended up losing probably you know i played my sophomore year probably at about 190 pounds and i played i started my junior year at about 170. wow and I, I was I was in uh, I was landline. In, I love it. Landline. Landline. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was in. I got an in incredible shape. Uh, improved my my ball handling. Not necessarily like my ability to do ball handling drills, but my understanding of pace. Because I think when you're not a you're not a great athlete, you have to have incredible. The
0: answer machine too. Yeah, it's amazing
1: yeah yeah it's amazing I told, my, I told my dad i was on a radio show because if i told him i was on a podcast he'd be like what the hell is that uh, uh so so, I, so he walked in earlier he looked and he's probably thinking what the fuck is going on like he's he's, he's there's a guy you can see his face like what kind of radio is that um uh, uh, uh.
0: so uh so so so, 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 conditioning, so conditioning you had to do ball handling ball what handling, if- but,
1: but uh, like the ability to control pace, right? Like if it was a matter of going fast, people could go fast, but if I could learn how to change speeds and create space, like that was going to be my advantage of being able to position the ball where it'd be positioned, uh, and then hit it and, and then being able to knock down open shots. And then, and then probably the biggest thing is using my voice, like leading Coach, I think that's one of the things Coach really liked about me in Ypsilanti was that even though the guys didn't speak my language, like I found a way to lead them. Yeah, and and so there was there was all those things. And uh, after the meeting, like I had two choices: I could say like this is this is BS, um, but I didn't. I remember one being hurt, like to have somebody that you respect to the ultimate level. Uh, like I did coach, like I was hurt that he could feel that way about me. And then the second thing I felt was I was pissed and I wasn't pissed at him. I, w- I was pissed at me because yeah. he was right and committed to, uh, that summer. Like, you know what, like, again, like it goes back, like just lay it on the line and see where that takes you. I don't know where it's going to take you. You may end up being a backup. I mean, these cards in front of you are really good. But, like, you won't know unless you try. And so I committed to that and had a great summer. And summer went into fall. And in the fall, I think I was probably the expectation was that I would be a really good backup point guard. Solid, didn't turn it over. Probably make an open shot. could, Could run a team but you know, not somebody necessarily that could be a starting guard on a team that had aspirations of being a national contender. How'd you win Um, the job? I attacked attacked the ball like crazy. And you're talking about some of my best friends, you know, Jeff Capel and, you know, Trajan and, and those guys. Like, and again, they were, at that time, it was like Trajan is gonna be the point. And that's, I mean, Trajan was one of the best shooters in the history of college basketball. Being a point guard is not necessarily, even though he could really handle it. What he, you know, what he did, and I would pick him up. I mean, even in pickup games, I'd pick him up ninety-four feet. Um, and you know, we keep track of who won and lost in pickup games. And my goal was, you know, every time that was posted for my team to be my name, because my team's won to be at the top of the list, and I did that. And, um you know, still going in that season. i don't I don't think even in as we entered exhibition games, I don't think I necessarily started, but like i I gave Paul like i I created the discussion of like I mean, this like if you ask his teammates, and coach always used to do this, he'd ask like if if you if you had to pick a starting five for a pickup game, like who who would you pick because he wanted to see like who the guys thought. And I remember going into my meeting that fall it's like, you should know that every one of your teammates picked you, uh, which was, which was essentially the goal. Right. And, uh, so I created a discussion and then ended up starting the first game, my junior year, which I think if you rewound, you know, four months earlier, people would have said no way. And I I played really well (laughs) and never looked back. You remember who it's against? So I ended up, the first game, yeah. I don't. St. I, Joe's. No, St. St. Joe's. You were St. Bay. He was a good player. Um, but I, I ended up scoring. I had a, had a early in the season. I ended up having a ton of steals. I had like a, you know, seven, eight steal game. Like, and became the leader. And my teammates, I think, ended up trusting me. The guys I thought I was competing against, the Jeff Capels and the Trajans, were guys I ended up playing with. You know, sometimes you think like, well, it's, it's you versus him. him. Yeah. But it's if you're both really good, then you both play. Because coach is in like a tradition, like he'll play, he'll put up lineup and he always has put out lineups. Like, I'm going to play my five best players. Um,
0: your junior year was your first year you beat Carolina. And beat Carolina. Yeah. Um, was it as significant then as it would seem? Uh, again, total outsider here to the Duke family, but having, there's there's a lot of things you had to achieve. You got to get back to the NSA tournament in year two. Great. You're in your starting spot, but hey, you still haven't beat Carolina. Was it significant to beat Carolina the first time you did it? Yeah, I think those games are always significant. and And the fact that
1: they were, they were terrific <laughs> i mean they I, that, were that's
0: that, but that's like so so at oklahoma state right there's the only when i was there we only played kansas once a year or unless you played in the big 12 tournament like they were the right. they were the standard and then your your season was judged did you make the ins tournament how did you do against ku how did you do against ou right like even so i'm i'm just wondering if if that is of of the junior year if that's the most vivid memory outside of the first starting the first game yeah i i think that
1: was that was that was significant right because there there i think there's always markers when you're you're trying to build something or in this case trying to kind of build it back there's markers that you um that you you meet or things that you achieve where it's like okay i mean we may not be where we want to be but we're like we're getting closer. And this is a vivid example of why we can say that. And beating Carolina was one of those things. You know, And at that time, I mean, Wake Forest and Tim Duncan was one of those things as well. I mean, I can remember we had lost. We had lost, or we had lost uh, a bunch of games in a row to Wake Forest. In my junior year, played them twice because it was round robin. Played them at home in the first game, and then we were going to go back and, and play them again. Um, and at the end of the game, there was a stop action. There was a stoppage and the officials went to, you know, at that time, I don't even think there were TV monitors the sideline, but something happened, clock malfunction and Tim got fouled and he was, shooting, he was supposed to shoot free throws. And he sat down on the court, uh, Indian, he sat down at the foul line, Indian style. And it was, it was in our minds, it was like the ultimate sign of disrespect. And, you know, I remember there being quite a bit of emotion around that time. We ended up losing the game. So followed up. And again, the the path to the championship at that time went through like Carolina and and Wake Forest because they had Tim Duncan. I mean, he was he was different. So we went down to Wake Forest to play the second game of the round robin. And I remember in the locker room, there was no freaking way we were losing the game. I mean, I don't, I'd give a shit if they had Michael Jordan and Tim Duncan. Like there was like, there was no, and, and, and everybody was on board and it wasn't like a coach in front saying like, we're, we're not like, it was like, everybody's like, we're, no, we're good. Like, we're not losing. Like, I, I think like that, that's not like that option is off the table. It's off the table. And we ended up winning the game and Chris Carwell, who's my assistant and now is at Duke. Again, we talk about lineups. They had Lauren Woods and Tim Duncan, like twin towers, right? Seawells, Garden, Duncan at the five with one good shoulder, and we end up winning the game. And then fast forward, we beat Carolina, and up winning the ACC championship. And you know, I think we were viewed as contenders, but I don't think people would have said at the beginning of the year based upon the talent the other teams had and the players that we would have won the championship. But that was a significant. That was another marker of like. Everybody was hoping they'd go away. They're not going away. So that was a that was an important time.
0: Woo! Part two is as good as part one. Okay, so part three is coming up next. Just so you know, we got more, including Dream Team, mm, Redeem Team, and Coaching USA Basketball, and the things that he remembers about it. Plus, what was it like to be fired? You know, what was... What's that like? And how long are you angry for? Are you still angry? All that stuff to come. Oh, yeah. And I got to ask him, if he didn't take the Marquette job, would he be the Duke head coach? Is there any internal struggle that had he kept coaching at Marquette and not lost? Had he Would he have been the Duke coach now? Uh, all that's coming up. Reminded of the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, Series XM 217 and 203. Um, subscribe, rate, write a review, download this thing, tell friends about it. Um, I I mean, Rojo is amazing. I hope you enjoyed it. Part three is coming up soon. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball.